When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, I'm back. Uh, I was uh, not here yesterday, and... Uh, but uh, I'll t- we'll tell you all the things we did in, uh, in the studio today. We got Judge Richard Weinberg. We have Congressman Peter King and used to be Congressman uh, 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 Vito, Vito, Vito Fasella, now Borough President Vito Fasella. And I understand the two congressmen used to work together in Congress. Reluctantly. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we fight all. No, actually, Vito's a great friend. He was a great congressman, and Staten Island is lucky to have him back. There's so many things going on. Is that what you said off air, Pete? I'm trying to figure that out. Different conversation. (laughs) Different conversation. There's so many things going on. What the heck do we talk? Rita Cosby, you did a great job yesterday with Andrew Cuomo. And I, I have no idea why that weather girl is so upset. Well, Janice Dean, in, in defense of Janice Dean, there's such a I, huge I, loss I, I, with I, the listen. families. And, and, and I, we've invited and her I, to come on. I hope she's she comes on. She's always welcome to come on. We believe in free speech. Uh, we, I have nothing against her. She, you know, I'm sure she does a great job uh, at uh, Fox uh, with the weather. And uh, look, uh, it's a tragedy. We all went through tragedies. We, we lost so many people. But look. You did a great job interviewing uh, Governor Cuomo, and everybody has the right. Look, I, I got criticism uh, 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 interviewing uh, Robert Kennedy. You got criticism interviewing uh, uh, Governor Cuomo. I mean, you know, it's if we were worried about criticism on everybody that we interview – my God. Yeah. And you know what, John? And I've said this um, publicly and privately to everybody that what is so great about ABC is we allow everybody to speak. And I think anybody listening to that interview, um, you know, would say I've heard the comments that I was tough but fair. Um, and that's a nice thing to be able to say as a journalist. And what heartened me, John, last night um, was we were flooded with calls on the show at 10 o'clock. And many family members called into the show randomly and said, Rita, you got to a lot of the questions that I wanted to hear. You kept pressing him. You kept asking him, um, you know, and, and they were heartened. And that gave me, you know, I, we love, we have such love and re- appreciation for the family members and we invite everybody to come on. And I hope Janice comes on too. She suggested some other people, but we feel strongly to no, hear from no, her. No, no. If she's the one out there yelling and screaming and she's the one out there calling me names, uh, making other things innuendos, then she has to stand up and, and, and be counted. Yeah. And also have her side too, because she has an important side to discuss. So we want to hear from her. I think it's important. And By I have way, such respect good, for Janice. It was a good thing yesterday for AM radio, uh, where, uh, the CEO of Ford decided to, to go the right way and, and, uh, 
AM radio is so uh, important in the uh, community? We were cheering you big time yesterday. Uh, what a news day between Cuomo and AM radio. And, Judge, you know, we've been, uh, John has been at the forefront. And bravo, bravo. We had saw the message from Ford that they said the future cars will have AM radios. So there was a loud cheer. And then we had so many parties last night. Yeah, uh, Judge Janine. Uh, uh, Judge Janine has a new book out. I missed uh, you there. I came, and, but I missed you. She, uh, she had. Uh, we had a book party, and uh, uh, a lot of all the uh, personalities from Fox, all the personalities from WABC. Uh, Kellyanne Conway was there too. Yes, I saw. Yes. Uh, 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 also, Alina Haba, who's the attorney for Trump. Um, Tony Saya, a whole bunch of people in the Trump and then administration. Afterwards, uh, afterwards uh, we had. Uh, I had the seven. My son was co-chairing a. Uh, a dinner for seven United States senators. And that's where the judge was, right? That's right. Can't be in all places, but that was the place I to was be. In, but I was in all places. You were in all places. <laughs> you are always. You're the man that's of all That's why I invented the word ubiquitous. But the answer well, is... Wait, i got to look. Where's the dictionary? <laughs> where's the dictionary? That's, like, the dictionary? that's like Zelig. You know how Zelig's like that's everywhere? He's like Zelig. Everywhere. Because you, you have the busiest Rita, schedule. Don't, don't ask me to spell it. I can only say it. <laughs> It sounded good, though. It sound no. That was a great event. There was what Steve Daines was there. Ted Cruz. But I sat with uh, Senator Daines. Look, this is this is the point. And Sid Sid Rosenberg's cousin was there. Former Sid, senator. Yeah, Norm Coleman, senator. really nice guy. Norm, Norm Coleman. Coleman. Love Norm. And by the way, Norm Coleman is a nice Jewish boy from Brooklyn who went, wound out in the Midwest, went to Minnesota, became a United States senator. Then he went to Hofstra University on Long Island. A wonderful guy. A wonderful guy. He and Steve Gaines were at my table. I was at their table. It was a great event. And the message was very, very simple. If you want to protect the country, you want to have secure borders, balanced balanced budgets, you need to have a two-party system. And that's what the event was about, having a two-party system. Well, you talked about security at the borders. And Vito Fasella, this is something, of course, that's impacting. It's like every borough is affected, clearly, uh, by migrants. Um, big news now also that Eric Adams is trying to get the right to shelter, get sort of a pause on it, if you will, well, we because he said, it's a mess. mess. And that was one of the things I talked with Governor Cuomo, in addition to, of course, the women and the nursing homes, was what do we do with all the sanctuary city? There's like no room at the inn. What's your reaction, Vito Fasella? Well, I think something we've all been saying for many, many months, this is a federal lapse here. The federal government has caused this problem and has pushed it across the United States and you know, ground zero is New York City, where tens of thousands have been forced into, not been forced, but have been housed in shelters and uh, accommodated, I think, very in a very good way, at least from their point of view. Uh, but what I like to do is sort of bring attention to what the mayor did yesterday and call into question the consent decree, uh, so-called right to shelter, that many believe requires the city to put the migrants in hotels and feed them. And, and frankly, I don't think that was the original intent of the consent decree from 1981. And I credit the mayor for doing it because it's an unsustainable problem that needs to be fixed immediately. You know what the problem is, Vito? You're absolutely right. They should open up that consent decree and modify it. There's a change of circumstances. It's never what they envisioned. And you couldn't be more correct. The problem is the city council, where you and I both worked, created a another law saying a right to shelter law, a homeless bill of rights, and it's now going to uh, the mayor's desk for consideration. And that was voted unanimously by city council. What are they thinking? Everybody who gets off a bus, comes to New York, has a right to shelter. 
And if they don't have a home, they can street, sleep on the streets. It's an insane bill. Well, it goes back to, you know, I told uh, uh, everybody how I feel. We the have 30,000 empty beds at Rikers. And, and these people that came in, we didn't promise them $700 a day rooms. Now, I did ask Governor Cuomo about that, too, John. And what he said. And I was actually surprised. But what he said was, he's like, why Rikers? There's no room. I said, are you kidding me? There's room at Rikers. 30,000 rooms. Absolutely. But the, the, the so yeah, Peter, how is Staten Island being, being hit by that? No, well, it, unfortunately, we, we've had to house and accommodate uh, hundreds of migrants, uh, first at the hotels. And then there's schools, and, right? and within the last couple of weeks, it took an old school and converted it to uh, a shelter. And it's really not consistent with what was intended 40-plus years ago, which was a handful of guys in the Bowery who needed a place to stay during the winter. Yeah. Now it's, uh, you know, welcome to the United States. Yeah. We're going to put you in a hotel in Times Square. I just not, don't think it's right. But the pro- this is the problem. Even if we filled up Rikers, as John says, with 30,000, then you can have another 30,000 the next month. I was going to say we're going to need another it's Rikers. Never, it's never <laughs> ending. Until Biden closes the border and enforces the United States immigration laws, it's a never-ending problem without a solution. That's the solution. And by the way, later on in the show, we're going to be talking to Michael Goodwin, of course, of the New York Post, because he wrote a column just about that. Uh, now also, by the way, today, a big protest that took place in Manhattan, and it was over the death of Jordan Neely. And then there was the other side, of course, uh, supporting the Marine, Daniel Penny, who has been charged now with second degree manslaughter. And many people saying, look, this guy's a good Samaritan. He's a hero. He stepped in. Um, joining us now here, we have on the show, uh, Vicki Palladino, New York City Council member, and she was there also with Bruce Blakeman, um, of course, of Long Island, who also, Pete, you were saying he was escorted away, uh, right? And, and Vicki will tell you that several arrests had to be made. It was, listen, this is a peaceful rally disrupted by bad people. So well, thank Vic- God Vicki was there to protect yeah. everybody. Vicki, tell us what happened. Wow. Hi, everybody. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, what it was was actually a press conference that uh, Bruce had called uh, from Nassau County. He wanted to do one here in the city in defense of uh, Mr. Penny. And we got together a few blocks away from um, City Hall to do it. And it turned out to be very successful. He brought veterans in uh, from Long Island as well as from the boroughs here. Uh, just to stand with uh, Mr. Petty. You know, this is a dreadful situation. We had protesters all around us screaming, and this is where you get the protest rally end of it from, because they're screaming, you know, kill the police. Uh, how do you spell murderer? And then they would spell out Penny. And then, you know, they were out of control, as they usually are, and they try to outshout you. Unfortunately, our mic wasn't working, but I think I got my point across pretty clearly. And tell tell us about your important. district. Where's your district begin and end? Uh, my district is District 19, and that's in Northeast Queens. And I go from West College Point as far east as Little Neck, Douglaston. And the towns in between are Whitestone, Bayside, Bay Terrace, North Flushing, and uh, parts of, um, well, just about parts of Little Neck. <clears throat> Now, tell me how you feel about this. I suggested to the mayor and I suggested to his assistants that uh, uh, there's 51 districts and 51 city council people. Some of them we want to defund the police. How about if we defund their district and reduce the amount of police officers in their district, let their constituents know – and I'll put it in the, we'll put it in the, in the New York Post or the New York Times 
and uh, uh, and 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 fund the districts that, that want more police. Well, that would be great. John, well, actually, John, I said that at my state of the district. I did a state of the district, which nobody said they've ever seen a local politician ever do. I packed an auditorium to the max with standing room only over 400 people. And one of the things I said as I went down my speech was that for all of those who do not want their police officers or want to defund them, my district that has risen so high in crime will gladly take whatever you don't want. And I could speak for myself when I say this to you, as well as the other. We're going to start telling it on WABC. We're going to start naming names of people that we're going to defund, that want to defund the police. And and we're going to urge the mayor to reduce police protection in those districts. That's a great idea. Well, they make out. And maybe the people then who actually go out and vote, let them see what life is like without a cop. Let them see what Vito, you are a city councilman. How do you think they I feel? agree with you 100%. We actually said the same thing a number of weeks ago. For those who don't want the, the, the police in their district, who want to defund it, we will gladly take more police officers who we respect on Staten Island to keep our community safe. It's a very simple win-win Absolutely. solution. Uh, and uh, if, if the city council yeah. people in the Bronx that uh, want to defund the police, yeah, take, so you know, so yeah. take them away. John, we got Tiffany Caban in Astoria who wants to abolish police. I mean, it's called abolish police. Well, let's uh, let's take a uh, let's let's let's, uh, tell all her constituents that and see how they feel when they dial nine one one. Nobody comes. Yep, that's true. Absolutely, one hundred percent. You know what I think about in Minneapolis? Was it Minneapolis where remember they the city council John voted at one point to defund the police, and then a city council member needed to call nine one one, and nobody was answering, and then they're like, "Well, maybe we need police." Then they reverted. You know, unfortunately, it's a sad state, uh, and nobody wants to see anybody get hurt. You know, but the point of it is you cannot get up and broad stroke this. This is not a broad stroke. This is 51 individual districts, and we each know our district. It's not a one-size-fits-all, but I will tell you about my district. My district, who has never seen such a rise in crime, especially the 109th Precinct, as it has in the last three years, we are up by over 100% in burglaries. Vicky, what's the ninth, uh, what's the ninth Precinct? The 109th precinct. 109, okay. Flushing. Yeah. Flushing, okay. Yep. Hey, Vicki, before we, before we also let you go too, I just want to have you talk about how there's a lot of people that wish they had a uh, cop, uh, you know, there uh, on that subway train because you were out there. Why you think, um, that Daniel Penny's a hero? That we had last week. uh, Uh, Elizabeth Gomes. Yes, Elizabeth Gomes. I wish I I had a Marine. Yeah, she said, I wish Daniel Penny was on the subway with her. Exactly, John. This was a a young guy. You know, he, this is what he was, he was trained to protect the people. I mean, this is what he does. Those are his instincts, is to protect and to defend. You have this guy, Neely, who's been arrested 42 times. One of the crimes being the kidnapping of a seven-year-old girl. The other one is punching an over 60-year-old woman in the face and breaking her nose. This is not a law-abiding citizen. This is a person who's got mental issues, who was not treated properly by the city of New York for his mental issues, and he has been allowed to roam our subways, as so many hundreds of them are. And you know what? 
this guy should be applauded and not being held on murder charges. Does everybody understand this? And against Alvin Brand. Well, we're going to have a ticket tape parade for him. Uh, and uh, we're going to arrange that. And uh, well, yeah, let, 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 let's let's see how we feel. Like, yeah, thank you very well, much for coming on, and so we'll have you again real soon. Let's go for a break, and when we come back, Rita, who do we have? We have a Jim Bavard of the New York Post. He is talking about the cover up at the IRS for whistleblowers tied to the Biden administration, all the Hunter Biden stuff. He's got some great scoops. He thinks this is the beginning of the end of the Biden presidency. Wait till you hear this. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Katz and Cosby. Everybody talking about the fact that it looks like the IRS investigation of Hunter Biden was just shut down. The whole unit basically like kicked out. Uh, big changes and lots of whistleblowers coming forward. So now our next guest here on Cats and Cosby says this could be basically the scandal that could sink Joe Biden. And joining us now is New York Post columnist James Bavard. Uh, James, uh, tell us why you think it, this is looking not good for the president. Well, the Hunter Biden is a um, tax cheat who's right out of IRS central casting. Uh, he and the other Bidens pocketed more than $10 million dollars. From shady foreigners, they had a bunch of uh, suspicious activity reports. Uh, he was hit by a tax lien. He had all this money. He didn't bother paying his taxes. The IRS was even threatening to uh, confiscate his passport at one point. The, uh, the the feds started an investigation in 2018. By 2020, there were a dozen IRS employees in the case. But even back then, the Justice Department was starting to block it. And what happened recently was that the Justice Department uh, ordered the IRS to fire all the IRS experts who had been working on the Hunter Biden case. On what, on, on what grounds? Oh, uh, that's a secret. That's a secret like almost everything else in this case. It's a secret. Have they ever done that before? I mean, that just seems so unseemly to John's point. Uh, yeah, there was uh, John Fort, the, the uh, previous chief of this uh, branch of the IRS, said he was not aware of it ever happening again. Uh, but there are two whistleblowers. And how do they feel about Al Sharpton? Uh, uh, what's that? How do they feel about Al Sharpton? Um, well, who owes more, Hunter Biden or Al Sharpton? Um, I don't know how much Al Sharpton uh, owes, but Hunter Biden owed uh, somewhere in the uh, seven figures, and uh, he had this huge tax debt that was paid off by a Hollywood lawyer last year. So that was uh, the first angel of mercy he had. Then the second angel of mercy he had might have been Attorney General Eric, uh, Merrick Garland, who uh, apparently gave the order to fire all these IRS investigators. So so what's going to happen is if this case goes to trial, uh, the IRS experts will not be there to help the prosecution. Damn shame. Yeah, wow. By the way, speaking of IRS, um, this also just crossed a little bit ago. This is interesting. You know, um, Matt Taibbi, the reporter who is exposing yes. all this stuff, Guess what a surprise, speaking as you're talking about IRS, happened to open an investigation of him on Christmas Eve, which was a Saturday, by the way, last year, three weeks after he exposed sensitive documents about censorship uh, at uh, Twitter, uh, you know, releasing it there on Elon Musk's platform. I mean, that that is, talk about blatant must, intimidation. No, that must be just a mere coincidence. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, it, it's it's the same type of coincidence as, as an IRS official showing up at Matt uh, Tiebe's 
uh, home in New Jersey on the same day he was testifying for, uh, before the House Weaponization Committee. So, I mean, there's a lot of coincidences here. But the thing that's frustrating is that we have uh, no handle on what's actually been done on this. Uh, there were, uh, the Washington Post said last October that the investigations were basically finished. The charges could be filed. There was a, uh, there was a huge pushback either from Justice Department, White House, or both. Nothing has been filed, and we still don't have the facts of the matter. This is something which, and and if there is if there is a cover up here, and there is clear evidence, this this could be a huge problem for the Biden White House. The uh, the the whistleblowers are going to testify on Friday before the House Ways and Means Committee in a closed hearing. So uh, based on the other hearings I've seen recently, what the Democrats will be asking about is whether the whistleblowers have ever owned or wore a MAGA hat. Uh, Judge, you're shaking your head. All right, Mr. Bovard, uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, which concerns me is all these years later where Weiss, the U.S. attorney in Delaware, could easily put together charges against Hunter Biden on the tax evasion, the failure to uh, honestly fill out the, the gun application and other related charges. That could have been done years ago. and They didn't do it. He needed the cooperation of other U.S. attorneys and other places where Biden was, was resided. And what happened? They shut him down. They wouldn't let him go forward. Yeah, the 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 Attorney General Garland testified in March that that the U.S. Attorney Weiss in there in Delaware, uh, that he'd be allowed to uh, to bring charges that occurred in other federal jurisdictions. But according to the IRS senior whistleblower, that's that, that was not true. And that's a huge issue here, because if there's any evidence that Merrick Garland has blocked the, the prosecution of Hunter Biden, well, this uh, this is something that's too big to sweep under the rug, maybe. No, that's ab- absolutely correct. They promised that they could go forward anywhere the other U.S. attorneys would cooperate, and they failed to do that. How did that happen? That's the question. Yeah, and hopefully we find some answers. Uh, from what I read, the, the, senior, uh, the senior whistleblower has a lot of documents, uh, a lot of emails. So it's not like he's just uh, whistling Dixie, but he's going to be able to put some hard facts on the table. And maybe if there's enough evidence there, you know, um, this is something which could pry open some other uh, cans of worms for the uh, team Biden. Well, so how do you prove it? I mean, that's the other question I got to ask you. I mean, how we're do you hearing know all this the stuff. Attorney General of the United States. Yeah, and and what was the comment that Rudy made yesterday that we were talking about? He was like, you know, it's going to be how, how how do we get changes in what's going on unless people are held accountable? That's what Mary Giuliani said. So how how do they, how do we get them accountable? Because it like the last hearing I saw was so painful, um, James with. What we saw with the Dems versus the GOP, the Dems were like, you're un-American for speaking forward. It's like you crossed the street illegally when you were five years old. That's what they did. The whistleblowers, you're not whistleblowers. And then the Republicans were saying, you know, uh, this is devastating. This is devastating. How do we get it? So it's irrefutable. And everybody says this is it. Well, if if the whistleblowers have got hard evidence of political interference, in this tax investigation, that could be huge. I don't know if they have that hard evidence. If they have it and put it on the table, and the GOP people on Capitol Hill pursue that like a um, you know like a hungry dog, this uh, this is something that could make a lot of difference. Otherwise, it's probably not going to go very far. Wow. Well, we'll see where it heads. Um, really interesting, uh, Jim Bavard. Thank you very very much. We appreciate you being here. 
Hey, thanks for having me on. Thank you. And, you know, by the way, in the middle of all this, too, did you see that Trump's attorneys are now requesting a meeting with A.G. Garland over unfair treatment? And uh, the other word, too, that's coming down in the last few hours is that it looks like uh, Jack Smith's, the independent uh, counsel's investigation, could be wrapping up. Uh, how do you read that, you guys? How do you read that, Judge? Well, it's very, very simple. If Trump is guilty of uh, holding documents they shouldn't have held, and he should have turned them back. And he was the president of the United States, and he has an inference that he has the ability to declassify. Biden, as the vice president of the United States, has no such right under federal law. So if you're going to go after Trump on holding back of the documents, then you certainly have a better case against Biden. His vice president had no callable claim to do it. You no. mean that you mean they weren't safe under the Corvette where Hunter Biden was fixing the engine? I, that's, Pete, that's if, not a good place? I think if they do go after Trump, if they can show that he obstructed justice by hiding the documents, that's, that's a big if. Other than that, I, I agree with you. It's a stronger case against okay. Biden than he went against Trump. Vito, what do you think? I, I think this is just a, a, one of these continuations of what we've been seeing for the last seven years of just nonstop uh, attacks and not, uh, and double standards and double standards. And I think most people are seeing right through it. Uh, and I, that's why you see the numbers in the, in the polls and the primaries are, are unaffected because most people are reading right through the, uh, right through the noise and they just don't believe much of what they hear. And by the anymore. way, I just saw on air the Black Lives Matter movement. They're in the red. They had $90 million. Nobody's ever had an accounting on that money. Where's their tax liability? Why isn't the IRS looking at them? Why isn't justice looking at Black Lives Matter? You mean uh, that mansion uh, that the uh, the former head of it had? Remember the mansion that was built? In Maybe the- it doesn't count because was that the one in Canada? Yeah, well, there, there, was, there was Wait, something wasn't one, that. It wasn't one mansion. It was two or three. Judge, you're talking about the mostly peaceful demonstrations. The mostly Black Lives mostly Matter. Congressman yeah. King, mostly We should do an expose. <laughs> we should do an expose on the... The CEOs of public companies that gave out money, like it's that, that you know, to shake down black, money, shake, shake down, down money, money to Black Lives Matter because they were afraid that they were going to say something bad about their product. Well, and that's the point because I think a lot of CEOs, John, gave money thinking it was a good intention, or they no, were shaking down. I, I don't think they ever thought it was good. Yes, they were trying to buy peace. Same with the NBA and the MLB. They all yeah. caved in. Yeah, boy, and also right, to China too. Let's take a break. <laughs> let's take a break. Yeah, and we've got Michael Goodwin coming up talking about his column about. Putting pressure on Joe Biden. Time to seal the border. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Katz and Cosby. Uh, John, uh, did you see Michael Goodwin's column where he basically said it is time to seal the border and that Democrats need to start putting pressure on President Joe Biden? Uh, what took him so long, right, John? I mean, that's a- you don't mean Michael. Michael has been on his top 
You mean what's taking the Democrats yeah, so long to wake up? Absolutely. But they still haven't woken up because they haven't told Biden to close the border. Yeah, they ask for money, but they don't say close the border. Well, joining us now is Michael Goodwin, Pulitzer Prize winning reporter from the New York Post. Uh, Michael, tell us about your column because, yeah, where are the Democrats? They're asking for money, but what about changing the policy so uh, they don't fill up, you know, every single hotel room in New York City? Uh, yes, thank you, Rita. Look, it is uh, high past time that uh, Democrats stop pretending that there are answers to this problem of the migrants. Uh, There's no limit to the number of migrants who can show up in New York City. Mayor Adams has tried to, you know, blame the Republican governors. He's tried to send some of the migrants to the northern suburbs. Um, He's asked for money, of course, from Albany, from Washington. He's gotten a few dribbles and drabs. But the reality is there's no limit to how many can come here. Now, the mayor is trying to uh, get out of the right to shelter, but even that, his request is kind of wishy-washy in that he asks only if there's no more room. Well, there's always room somewhere in New York. It depends how much money you want to spend to lease a hotel or a warehouse or a, a, a cruise ship terminal somewhere, take, take over a school, and the activists are going to make that argument in court. So, look, it's the one thing... Uh, Eric Adams has not tried, which is to confront Joe Biden about the fact of the border being open. It's not about how much money ultimately. It's you have to stop this. You have to seal the border because New York cannot handle anymore uh, financially uh, and and realistically, uh, nor can many other places in this country. The numbers are just staggering. And as I say, it's like trying to you, you have a bathtub that's overflowing and you're, you're using a teaspoon to take out water. Meanwhile, you've left the faucet on. Uh, and so you can never catch up. You can never get ahead. You can never solve this problem until you seal the border. And even then, you're going to have your hands full for years. So uh, I don't the, the, the mayor's uh, habits here on this uh, are a little maddening. One day he talks tough about the White House failing. And then the next day, all he asks for is money, as Richard said, or or help in some other way. There's no way to solve this problem if they keep coming. You've got to seal the border. Michael, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. Let me tell you something. Even if they shut the border today, we would have problems for years and years to come yes. with all okay. these people who are the runaways. We don't know who they are, what diseases they're carrying, whether they're terrorists, whether they're connected to the cartels, whether they're child abusers and traffickers. We have a real problem even if we shut right now. I agree with you that, uh, you know, there might be as many as five and a half to six million who have come in. And my understanding is that basically one out of four or one out of five are are what they call what the border officials call gotaways, meaning they were not. Uh, registered in any way. No names, no identification. They simply crossed the border and ran away. And they had no contact with law enforcement. And so we don't know who they are. We don't know where they are. But there could be as many as a million of them. Think of that. A million in the last, uh, what, 26, 27 months. And, and Michael, this is these are extraordinary numbers. Michael, I think one of the craziest ideas is this whole thing of uh, make it easier for them to apply for jobs. Because all it's going to be is incentive for more people to come across the border. I mean, giving them jobs is not going to solve the illegal immigration issue. I completely agree, Pete. And, and what it does, as you say, it incentivizes. And particularly if New York goes first, 
right, in giving in, in allowing uh, the uh, migrants to work uh, while they wait their asylum claims, which, of course, could be years, then people from other cities and states who are here illegally waiting for their asylum will come to New York. So however you do it, you've got to seal the border and follow the laws and begin to beef up the uh, asylum courts so that you can move faster. Otherwise, these people are here forever. And let's not forget, many, many are no doubt having children already. So those, those children are, are citizens. You are not going to deport their parents, most likely. Um, so, yeah, but, but there's one thing you have to tell the American people, Michael. One thing you have to tell American people: there's 185 countries in in the world, give or take 10. Uh, how many countries you have to be a citizen to have a baby that's a citizen? Well, America is one of a handful, I believe, John, uh, where the, the where the the anchor baby phenomenon, where if you have the baby here, the baby is automatically a citizen. Yeah, that's not right. I mean, this is this is part of our banana peel. Though you might as well bring a banana peel and slip it on, slip on it. Yeah, it's uh, we have such an open border and such an open process. To your point, John, it's and you brought up good intentions. And you brought up Rikers, John. It's like like uh, the way we're here, we're going to need like five hundred Rikers. If I, I mean, if I can add, this is Vito Fasala, Michael. Two things that uh, I think often lost in here. That is the unle- endless cost that's going to be associated with assisting and sheltering all these folks, and it could be ten thousand more. Who the heck knows? And secondly, just the fundamental principle of waiting in line and following the law to come to this country legally, all those people have been waiting five years, eight years, nine years. How do you look those family members in the eye and say, sorry, you have to wait while we put these 10,000 people or 60,000 people up in a hotel in Times Square and feed them three meals a day? How is that even close to being right? Right. Look, I mean, I, th- I think those are all good points. You know, historically, uh, the rules on immigration, I mean, we, we, we sort of think back with nostalgia for the great waves of European immigrants in the you know turn of the 19th and early 20th century. But the fact is, there were hardships. There were there were uh barriers. If you were ill, you were sent back or you were sent to a third country. I mean, you had you couldn't be a burden on the state. You had to have someone to sponsor you, someone who could agree to pay for you if you fell in debt. I mean, there were all kinds of things that tried to set a standard so you did not become a burden on society. But now we've reversed all of that, that you come as a burden. And, and you are hailed for that. You are, we're going to give you work papers. We're going to give you food. We're going to give you a place to stay. We're going to educate you and your children. We're going to give you vaccines and health care. We're going to give you everything. And, for and all free. you have to do is claim asylum, and we have to let them stay here until there's a hearing. We had a situation in Nassau County. I think it was three guys come out, massive uh, shoplifting thefts were going on, massive amounts. And yet they couldn't deport them because they were waiting asylum. They had more rights than a person who was here legally. Because That's right. they were, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you, you're free to commit a crime effectively. I, I mean, none of this makes any sense. But Joe Biden had to know this. Somebody in the White House had to know this, and they did it anyway. And look, Mayor Adams, I think, in many ways, uh, I, I sort of have a, a sense of sympathy for his uh, effort. For the effort, but I think he's pushed in the wrong direction. It's not about getting help 
to solve this problem. All the help in the world will not be good enough. I mean, as as you mentioned, in terms of the city's budget, uh, it's it's now estim it's now somewhere in five percent land of the cost for these immigrants compared to the rest of the budget. And uh, mean, Judge Weinberg, that's not a, sustainable. And, and Michael, you got another problem. You have something like 484,000 taxpaying productive citizens have fled New York State. They're fleeing New York City. They're being replaced by dependents rather than productive people who provide jobs and services in the tax base. And what is that going to do to the charities and the foundations well, tell, and the tell, hospitals? Tell, tell Michael what Dinopoli told us on, on Friday. About the sales tax. The sales tax in April was down 39% from projection. Wow. That's huge. So well, where's the that, money going to come from, Michael? We're losing, we're losing income. Of, uh, of other taxes. Yeah, and it's costing $8 million a day in New York City to pay yeah. for the migrants. Those are the latest yeah. numbers. That's so it, amazing. It's not, it's, and, but ultimately, there's no amount of money that can help as long as the border is open. It's just you can't catch up. You can't get ahead of this. That's why you have to stop it at the source. That's what the mayor needs to do is tell the president, look, I'm going to come to you and tell you that if you don't do this, I'm not going to endorse you. I'm, we're going to play political hardball here. I am sworn to protect the people of New York, and I am not going to sacrifice my honor and my job and my city to protect you from criticism, which, by the way, is exactly what the New York Times uh, chastised Adams, that his, he was a, an opportunist for criticizing Biden on this. I don't think he's criticized Biden half as much as the New York Times seems to think he has. But the mere idea that if you're disloyal as a Democrat, if you criticize the president on immigration, I think Eric Adams' first job is to the people of New York, not to the president of the United States. And by the way, Michael, you're exactly right. There's historical precedent for that, because when Ed Koch was mayor, he went after Jimmy Carter for his failures. And they tried to chastise him and shut him down. But Koch stood up and did the right thing for New York City. Absolutely. You've you've got to put the city first. Uh, And, look, Adams is going to fail as a mayor uh, if this continues. There's just no way to integrate this bubble into the city. It's too big. If those numbers are right with DiNapoli, you know, you're going to reach a point of uh, machine kaput. Yeah. yeah, and by the way, and by the way, he's also gotten flack. Adams, remember, even for some of the criticism that he's done to Biden, they cut him out of the campaign committee. Remember the the whole, Absolutely. you know. So and and, and, and they're the ones the, the Biden people obviously got to the New York Times. And if you haven't read that piece, it ran, I, I believe, late last week. I I urge you to read it. It was disgraceful that the Times went after Adams as a kind of enforcer for the president. It was really it was as though the Times has given up on New York. Which which, of course, we know they have. But for them to for them to go after Adams for criticizing Biden and potentially hurting Biden politically is beyond the pale, given what's happened to New York. But then, of course, the New York Times is not really a New York newspaper anymore. All right. Well, Michael Goodwin, thank you very, very much. We appreciate you being here. Uh, certainly, we're going to be talking about this uh, for, sadly, a long time, I think. It's an important topic. Um, and everybody, coming up after the break, John, we have Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North. And he has a new book about education in America. And we're also going to talk about this wild video, The Woman, the Professor, 
who brought it, speaking of New York Post, shows up with a machete to go after the New York Post reporter when he goes to ask a question at her place. Wow, this is explosive. Stay with us, everybody. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. By the way, John, we're about to play a Tina Turner song. Here it is. And, of course, a tribute to the magnetic singer uh, passed away. How sad. sad. Age 83. Uh, Vito, you can see it's such a sentimental. Everybody knows Tina Turner. Yes, uh, she was a star. I actually saw the play on Broadway. Uh, oh, yeah, how was it? I wish I had seen that. We saw Mary Pat and I, a bunch of friends uh, a couple of years ago, whatever it was, a few years ago, I should say. Dynamic and uh, she, she's she really true, uh, a true star. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, think of and also she came forward, talked about domestic abuse yeah. um, as a woman. I thought yep. also she was very courageous talking about Agreed. things that she went through and became a big symbol and groundbreaker on so many levels. I agree. Unbelievable. She's been fighting cancer for the last eight years, I think. Yeah, there was some story about that. And she passed age 83, Pete, is um, the age. What a great, great. By the way, also, we want to be, uh, we'd be remiss to mention that in 10 minutes from now, a little less than 10 minutes from now, Ron DeSantis is going to be announcing he is officially in the race and he's announcing it with Elon Musk. It's interesting. This is a talk about a 2023 yeah, announcement. Elon Musk is not endorsing him. He's just using Twitter. He is promoting Twitter and uh, to have uh, Ron DeSantis put out a statement. Does that mean his communication skills are not good? Yeah, that's interesting. I, you know what? I know someone who took exception with his communication skills and he sits right next to me I, and I, he talked about it on the air. I, I think what DeSantis is doing, though, he's getting himself associated with uh, uh, Musk, whether or not you know he's endorsing him or not. No, you know, no, no. Musk has specifically said he's not endorsing. Yeah, but him. nobody believes that. I think John. People know that's why he wants no, to be seen. No, Elon Musk wants to uh, ride the coattails. Yeah, but I know what DeSantis. I've been in politics long enough to know DeSantis wants to be identified with Musk. Yeah, that's what that's people right. are talking about. He does totally. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And use another big word that sounds like a symbiotic yes. relationship to me. Oh, look, I, I look. I, I, I may That's criticize his communication skills, but I still think he's a good governor. He's Absolutely. an excellent governor. He's Great excellent. governor. Listen, he's an excellent governor. That's why all the New Yorkers are going to Florida. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it doesn't help, uh, uh, you know, New York in any shape or form, sadly, you know, because they're all going to Florida, leaving us, as you were talking about, uh, John. Well, joining us now to talk about the flight from great cities like New York to Florida and also what's happening with the education system is – Oliver North, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North, my buddy from my Fox News days. He has a great new book out. It is called America's Gulags, appropriately. And, um, you know, I don't know if you saw this, Ollie. Everybody is talking about this case that happened in New York of this. Did you see this? This woman, uh, she's a oh, professor yeah. with Hunter College, uh, Shellen Rodriguez, an adjunct, adjunct associate professor and apparently when the New York Post showed up because she went on a rant about pro-lifers, they showed up to ask her about it at her place. She comes out with a machete. You see it on oh, video. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. talk about craziness. It's great to have you here. You thought covering the war zones was crazy. Look at what happened to a reporter showing up in an apartment of a professor. Tells you something about what's happening with this is a professor, remember, a teacher of kids. You know, people ask me all the time, what's woke mean? You know, what's woke really all about? Here's what it really means. It's worst outcomes, kids emergency. 
Okay, because that's the kind of people we got teaching them in elementary schools, high schools, and certainly in college. The subtitle of this book is Marxist Tyranny in Higher Education and What to Do About It. And so it's time for the American people to start standing up, as, as we did in Virginia for the last gubernatorial election. We, we elected Unger, uh, uh, Youngkin. Youngkin because he was standing up for the, uh, not, not the teachers' unions, not Common the crazy sense. leftists, not the so-called progressives Parents. who are really Marxist, but for the people of America, or at least in Virginia, who, stu- who want their kids to be educated. I mean, we we had a lunch for for uh, Governor Youngkin a couple about a month ago, and with uh, Larry Kudlow, and uh, he was one bright individual. Oh, he's terrific. He, he's a good friend. He's be, he's been to my Bible study. He's been hunting with us, hunting with a firearm, no less. And and what I see in this, he's man, better than Dick Cheney. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably a better shot. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, now you see, John, you always do this to me. You get me off on a, on a tangent. I was, John is I was, very was, funny. There was a time when, on a pigeon hunt, and not excuse me, on a pigeon hunt, on a dove hunt, when Scalia was there, Justice Scalia, and my son, who's a lawyer, I put the two of them together with me on the same peg to go dove hunting. And at one point, this is right after the Cheney incident down in Texas. And at one point, Scalia says to me, as we're walking back up to get some chow and a wonderful barbecue, he says, did you ever hunt with Cheney? And I said, yes, sir, I did. Nothing is said for the next 50 steps. And then Scalia says, damn, he didn't shoot me either. (laughs) (laughs) But but Scalia got... got, Somehow he died in uh, Dallas. Yeah, there's still that was an interesting one too. No, well, I, I don't think uh, we know the whole story. Yeah, that's why I use the word interesting. <laughs> Oliver North, you know, you you were in intelligence for a lot of years. You, you, I don't know if we know the whole story in that one. Well, most of it. Okay, this, I'll take it. I get call. I get calls from people. Hey, you served with my dad, or in some cases nowadays, you served with my grandfather. And, I, and tell me about what he was really like, because he's gone now. So I'll go back through my Rolodex and through my old records and things like that, because I can't quite remember which guy this was. And I can't answer it because I don't know what's still classified and what isn't. Oh, and I wow. don't want to pick up the phone and call the FBI and ask them, because God knows what I'll get knocking at my door. I mean, I just, I, I'm, I'm terrified by the prospect of my 18 grandkids being educated in the system. Oliver North, you're a Republican. You can't do that. You can't commit that. Hey, this is former Congressman Pete King. Let me just take this moment to thank you for all your years of service. Oh, God and, bless you for your years. No, you, 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 you were a truly great American, and you stood up when others didn't. So thank you for your well, service. Well, well Tell us about your it. new book. Well, it's doing well. I mean, it's, this is, advanced sales have been coming in. The good idea about this book, and by the way, your, your listeners can get this book at a bigger discount than Amazon. They get it on Amazon, but they get a bigger discount by going to Faithful Text, because the, the name of the publishing company is Semper Fidelis, Fidelis Publishing, right? Faithful. So faithfultext.com, and you can get an even better discount than you can on Amazon. And what it's about? Yeah, I've, I have nothing against Amazon. I'm just saying we get a better deal. And what, what do you want people? Tell, we tell just have a little bit. About, yeah, what do you want people to take away from it, uh, Ali? Our kids are being educated by Marxists. Marxist tyranny in higher education. And this book gives American people who've got a kid who's getting educated, maybe wants to go on to college, doesn't have to, to succeed in life, 
to learn the kinds of things they need to know to defend Judeo-Christian value system, the conservative, the ideas and the ideas of, of conservative politics, and to get engaged in that process. Don't back down. We're being told by professors and teachers and administrators in schools, both in colleges and in high schools, that tolerance means You've got to think like we do or you're going to be in trouble. Well, everybody. That's not right. And and by the way, I want to make sure I tell everybody again, faithfultext.com and it's American Gulags. Um, And how many books have you written? 20. I knew I knew it. I I feel like I've known you so long. I think I knew you on your first or second book. We love you. Well, Oliver North, uh, thank you for what you've done for our country and uh, continue to speak out for our country. And and, uh, I'm going to go uh, to... uh, or either Amazon, if I can't remember. No, I you got to get the, the discount. Website, if I can't remember. You need the discount. Sean, you need that discount. You need that discount. I'm going to pay retail. Simplify. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pay retail. Thank you, Oliver North. And uh, I'll put in the word Oliver North. That's how I'm going to order it. It's easier, easier to remember. And you've got another book event tonight, too. Speaking I have of which, book which I want to hear about it tomorrow. Make sure, Oliver North, make sure you buy my book on Amazon. Yes. I'll get it. And I want you to sign it. I will. We Definitely. love you, Ollie. Thank you, Ollie. Thank you so much. Semplify. Good night. Semplify. And, uh, guys, thank you so much. Uh, Judge Weinberg, Congressman King, uh, Borough President Vito Fasella. Rita. What are well, we saying for? for? Truth, Truth, justice, justice and the American way. God bless America. We need God's blessing. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.